Hey, it's Candy. Did you know that I have a quiz to help coaches choose their niche? Yeah, I do. It's super popular and it has been taken more than 20,000 times. This is a fun quiz that takes you about two minutes to do and it will probably give you way more clarity on choosing your best coaching niche. So now whether you say niche or niche, it's going to work for you. And if you're a coach and you have been stuck in niche indecision, wondering what to do, then you should take my quiz and find out what you learn. You can take the quiz today at coachnichequiz.com. That's coachnichequiz.com. Okay, let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome to She Coaches Coaches. I'm your host, Candy Motzek, and I'm going to help you find the clarity, confidence, and courage to become the coach that you are meant to be. If you're a new coach, or if you've always wanted to be a life coach, then this is the place for you. We're going to talk all about mindset and strategies and how to, because step-by-step only works when you have the clarity, courage, and confidence to take action. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to She Coaches Coaches. I have James Hipkin with me. He is a returning guest, and we've got some interesting things we're going to talk about today. Let me tell you a little bit about James. Since 2010, James Hipkin has built his clients' businesses with digital marketing, and today, He's passionate about websites and helping the rest of us understand online marketing. His clients value his jargon-free, common-sense approach. James explains the ins and outs of digital marketing in a way that makes sense. So welcome to She Coaches Coaches, James. I'm so glad to have you back. Candy, I'm thrilled to be back. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. So we were going to talk today about the five relationship marketing principles that grow your revenue five ways. So we've got five principles that layer into five different ways of increasing your revenue. So talk to me about this. What are what are these five principles? Well, I think I'd, what I'd love to do, if you don't mind, is talk about the five ways first. Sure. Because that's the 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 underpinning of the concept of relationship marketing is the power of a loyal customer and the value of a loyal customer because loyal customers contribute to your business in five different ways. Mm. First and foremost, the longer they're with you, the more return you have on the investment that was required to get them in the first place. The longer they're with you, the more likely they are to understand your product so that your support costs are lower. The longer they're with you, the more likely they are to buy other products and services from you. At a minimum, because they have a relationship with you, they're seeing your marketing. Most, I mean, that's the big challenge with marketing, right? Is people just don't see it. Right. So the longer they're with you, they understand your value proposition. You don't have to bribe them. They'll pay full price. Mm. And then the fifth way is the (laughs) the longer they're with you, the more likely they are to advocate for you. 
right. and tell other people about what a great product you have. So for coaches, these five ways, you know, start to really, really underpin the importance of getting the right customers for the right reasons. And that's where I'll pivot into the relationship marketing. Get if you're going to have a loyal customers, before, you have to and get before them for the you right go reasons. there, I just want before you go there, I just want to make sure that the listeners really heard this. So now I might not have caught this just right, but here's what I think I've heard, and you fill in the blanks for me. So having a relationship with a customer, you spend less time and energy doing the marketing and selling and more energy actually delivering your service, which means that coaches are doing more of what they love to do. Exactly. You probably, I, I am a firm believer in organic marketing. I am not a paid ad person. The work is also more satisfying because you actually have a partnership with this person or company, and then the trust that goes along with it. So the stress level is less, the energy level is less, you get to do what you're meant to be doing on the world in the world with a higher profit margin and making more money. So like it's a win-win all around, right? Did it I miss really, anything? It really is. Yep. It really is. And and it's it's now that doesn't make it easy. You know, it's something that you need to work at. Just like, just like a, a marriage. Mm-hmm. Marriage is not easy. I've been yeah. married for 37 years, be 38 years in June. And then and, and that's involved four countries and three continents. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> that's a long me. time. <laughs> and I'm going to tell I uh, my husband and I are celebrating our 40th wedding anniversary this year. So I get it. Like yeah. it's an investment. It's not easy but it's worth it. And then in the business side, it's also worth it to have those loyal clients that you feel that you really know you're making a difference and serving them well. Right. So that's what leads us to the relationship marketing principles. And I want to, I want to tell you a story. Back in the day I was working with, it was a long distance carrier called Sprint this was pre-cell phone. So this was about long distance calling. <laughs> you, you may remember friends and family and, and, and AT&T was sending $100 checks to people. It's, it was hugely competitive marketplace. And Sprint was having real serious problems with loyalty. And their churn was very high. And they hired us to come in and help them understand this. And we commissioned a large research study. I think it was $100,000. And this was back in the 1990s, which is a lot of money, um, to understand what the motivations were and to understand loyalty. The most important thing that came out of that research study was something that the researcher said at the very beginning. In his preamble, before he presented the output of the study, he said that in his experience, and this is a guy who This is all he did was loyalty research. In his experience, 90% of loyalty problems could be traced to a flawed sales process. Really? Right at the start. So the loyalty is how the relationship started. Exactly. And that's where the five relationship marketing principles came from that simple sentence in Mm -hmm. that meeting. 
got me really thinking about this and changed my my the way I looked at things. And I and it, so I and I developed these five principles, and I had the opportunity, thankfully, and the budgets to be actually test out these ideas. And I've subsequently tested them out on, a, on any number of very large companies, big brands that you'd recognize, mm-hmm. and it's proven out every single time. So these five relationship principles, and I'll, I'll just quickly run through them, and then we can talk about them in more detail. First of all, attract the right customers for the right reasons. Repel is as important as attract in, the, in your marketing. So you want to attract the right customers for the right reasons. The most critical time is the beginning. When, they're, when they've just purchased from you, their interest is very high. They're looking for confirmation. They're looking for reinforcement that you value their business and you value this. Otherwise, what you're selling, you're just a product with a name. You're not really a brand. Mm-hmm. In relationships, continually reinforce the reasons to buy. Don't take them for granted. Good customers expect to be rewarded. And I didn't say bribed. Mm. I said mm-hmm. rewarded. And that distinction is really important. And then finally, the next most crucial time is when the relationship is at risk. Now, I want to throw a big caveat on this. Okay. This is not for everyone. In, in the vast majority of businesses, a small percentage of customers is driving the large percentage of revenue, the 80-20 rule. 20% of customers are driving 80% of revenue. These best customers are usually heavy category users. They have so a what, heavy- So what does that mean for a coach? Like how how does that work for a coach? How does it work for a coach? Well, if a coach looks at their sales over the past 2 years, three years, they're going to see the same names popping up over and over again. These are people who have a high need. They're very engaged in what the coach is doing. They're very engaged in the value that they're getting from the coach. They will value the kinds of efforts that are involved in relationship marketing. Somebody who's a Mm one-off buys like a $97 lead generation product and you never hear from them again, they're, Mm -hmm. they're not worth spending a whole lot of time and energy. And it's not personal. It's just, they probably just don't have a big need for the product. Right. So focus your relationship marketing on the, on the small group of customers that have the highest potential to get value from what it is you're doing. And then take that, your understanding of that audience and then use that in your marketing, in your social media, in your if you're out doing public speaking or networking or however you're generating your you know notoriety and authority around what it is you're offering, use that understanding to understand what you're talking about. So let me just interject here. So if you've got a coach that has been in practice for maybe a year or two, and they have a niche that they like to practice in. Now, the best way to build their business is to focus on exactly that right person 
that they can serve well within Mm -hmm. their niche, and then make sure you actually talk to the things that that the dream client within that niche wants. Right. So does that also include not just their problems, but their dreams and the way maybe even the way they process information or the way they consider who they're going to hire? How would that work? Well, and I'll I'll give you a tangible example. If you, one of the ways that you nurture the relationship, remember what I I said about in, in relationships continually reinforce the reasons to buy, but your email marketing is a great way to do that. And so you want to focus your messaging and your value in the email marketing around the sorts of things that this audience is mostly interested in. You know, I call, I, I describe it as the 70, 20, 10 strategy. 70% of your content in email marketing should just be pure value creation. 20% of the content should be curated value. That's other people's things that you're telling your audience about that you think would be really valuable. And then 10% is going to be sales. Mm, okay. And then if somebody clicks on a link, have a plan. If somebody clicks on a link, have an automation that responds back to them saying, you know, would you like to know more about so-and-so? Continually reinforce the, the reasons to buy. And, you know, and the, and the most important part is at the beginning. So if somebody raises their hand and says, well, you know, I'm, I've got some interest in this, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Uh, it's not coaching, but I had the opportunity very early in my career to work on the marketing for the island of Bermuda. Uh, offices, uh, meetings with the clients were all kinds of fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> on-site only. <laughs> yeah, on-site only. Um, so, and one of the things we did is we introduced email marketing to them because we could track. And if somebody got a newsletter and they clicked on an article about golf, next time we sent the email out to this group, we focused the email around golf. You know, it, it people nod their head and go, yeah, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And yet people don't do it. And I think that what it's a, it's a level of maturity. So it's instead of thinking of, for this example of email, instead of thinking of email as a, I write emails and I send them, it's why, what's the purpose of this email? Right. And thinking of it, I guess just to put it bluntly, more like a conversation. Like mm-hmm. when I say that in conversation, what do what do they do? Do they click? Do they ignore do they unsubscribe? So how can you make it more of a conversation more consciously, right? Right, exactly. And, and measurement is very important. I mean, in, in social media, um, my main channel is LinkedIn. And I use analytics within LinkedIn. And I'll go back into my LinkedIn analytics and I'll look at what posts got the most engagement four months ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll take that post that got the most engagement four months ago. I'll give it a quick edit. I'll find a new image to support it and I'll send it out again. Right. And every time I do that, I get even more engagement on the post because I am talking 
about the things that my audience is interested in. And, you know, yeah. you don't want to get so, bored with it. So, you know, initially when we were talking, if I was to sum that up, I would say focus very tightly, create a bi-referral only style practice wherever possible. And then to do that, start the conversation early, like actually look at the data points that you can see on your email marketing system, on your social media analytics, and then use that to further the conversation. So for an example, I'm doing an experiment currently where I'm sending 100 emails in 100 days, specifically because I want to see what what engages people? Well, what I already know is if I use the word freedom in my subject line, ooh, lots of people open those up. Lots of people click on the links. And so just that alone. And it's not surprising. Like most coaches and solopreneurs, it's one of the reasons we get involved in this business is we want to do something meaningful and we want more freedom in how we use our time and our energy, right? So is that the kind of thing that you're talking about, James? Yes, it is absolutely the kind of thing okay. I'm talking about because the the goal here is to build a relationship mm. and to build that what I call it relationship equity. And the relationship equity is what creates loyalty. And relationship equity is created when you deliver value that goes beyond the functional and transactional benefits of the service or product that you're selling. So then you've and it's it's just like I remember another uh, situation we were working with a, the, a large company and we invited the marketing team up to the conference room in Chicago and the creative director had pinned to the walls of the conference room, all of the marketing materials that we developed for this company in the last, and there was a lot of it. This was their budget with us was in the $30 million range. And so there was a lot of material up there and she turned to the, chief marketing officer. And she, he, she said to him, so do you see the problem? Hmm. And he was, that's exactly what he said. <laughs> oh, I'm like, uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't see the problem. It all looks great. So she took a ribbon with two pins in it and she pinned it on the wall at a certain spot. Yeah. And she turned to him and said, now do you see the problem? And he was completely flummoxed. He did not know what she was getting at. She did, he did not see the problem. And she picked up a piece from one side of the ribbon and she read it out loud. And she picked up the piece from the other side of the ribbon and she read it out loud. And she said, do you see the problem now? And he was like, I'm sorry, I still don't see the problem. Yeah. She said, this piece that I first read is a sales piece. The second piece I just I just read was a piece of customer communication. We're talking to our customers in exactly the same tone of voice as we're talking to prospects. Mm-hmm. That's not how relationships work. Right. Yes. Yeah. So this is, you know, at the heart of it, because we're getting close to our time here, is this is a relationship business. It a is a coaching practice is a relationship business. So don't get stuck in all the shiny, fancy bells and whistles. Remember that the person 
that you're talking to is a person and talk to them. Like if it's a prospect, if it's somebody who might be interested in working with you, learn more about them, be it through the metrics, be it through the, the emails that they hit respond to or what they like and share, and then build that relationship based on that shared place. And then, and then what? That's the thing I'd love to hear just as we wrap up. And then what? Well, and, and then it's create a pathway for them. Mm. You know, one of the things I, I'm trying to get people to stop, you know, Don Quixote has got nothing on me. Um, I'm trying to get people to stop saying call to action. Okay. Interesting. And, and start saying pathway. Pathway. Oh. Effectively, it's exactly the same thing. But the mindset shift is really important. A call to action is the marketer shouting at the customer about what it is they want the customer to do. A pathway is an invitation to, to follow along your journey, taking this pathway, and it will be supportive. We'll, we will support you with the information that you need. Because when somebody selects that pathway, they've told you two very important and very profound things. They've told you exactly who they are, and they've given you permission to tell them more information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's powerful. And also, I would I would add one more thing there too. They've given you the beginnings of trust. Exactly. Right. Because you've been supporting the journey that they're on. Customers don't buy what you sell. Customers buy a solution to their problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's how we speak with them as humans. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, so just, just as we wrap up here, James, the thing that I think is really interesting about this conversation is that you've taken a lifetime of knowledge and data and lessons learned in big company marketing. I know there's a fancy word for it. I just don't have it at the tip of my tongue. But now you've taken it down to the human level, and now it is completely transferable and applicable to Mm -hmm. a new coach starting out. Right. Because we're talking about principles. Yes. And principles can be applied regardless of how big or small your business is. Right. Right. It's very helpful. So last final words, what would you like to leave the audience with? And please be sure to tell them how can they get in touch with you? How can they come closer into your world and join your pathway? Well, The truth is, businesses' website is the most valuable digital asset that they own. Most of them are terrible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the reality is you've got six seconds or less to engage somebody who gets to your website. So if you'd love to have a conversation with me about marketing strategy, about, about your website and how it can support the journey that your best customer is on, Go to sixsecondsorless.com and book a free website audit. We'll talk about your best customers, who they are, what they're looking for. We'll talk about how your website supports that journey. And it will be a a lot of value exchanged in in the course of that conversation. Everybody who goes through this audit is just like, you know, I open their minds to things that they hadn't even thought about. 
That's great. So I'll make sure to put the link in the episode notes. Thank you again for joining me. I really enjoyed our conversation just as much as I enjoyed the last one. Thanks again. My pleasure, Candy. Thanks again for listening today. Please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Also, I would love to hear from you. Did something that I say resonate? What else would you like to learn about? Click the link in the player and leave a comment on the post. This is going to give me great ideas for future episodes so I can help you best. Join me again next week for more coaching, support, and teaching to help you become the confident coach you are meant to be.